This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks that I give away every Monday is Kim Dust. She's in the entertainment industry and is currently working a full-time day job and doing her side hustle on the side. Kim, congrats. For you guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to officially enter. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444 after you've subscribed. Every morning, there's a new episode, Top Tribe, and tomorrow you hear from Jeff Goldenberg. His company has landed over $400 million via a unique Canadian model. Top Tribe, good morning to you this morning. As you jump in your car or start your jog, you're in for a treat. I have our guest today, Alan Block. He's the CEO of Vroom. He is the previous co-CEO of Wix. He's a C and CEO of My Supermarket. He also was a venture capital partner for seven years with experience additionally at McKinsey. Alan, are you ready to take us to the top? Of course. Let's, Thank you for having me, Nathan. I'm excited that you're here. First things first, let's talk sales numbers in 2015. How'd you guys do? So um, our combined business, because we also acquired another company called Texas Direct, is about $900 million in revenue in 2015. And help people understand, now that they know kind of the success you've had, what Vroom is. Well, Vroom's an online car retailer, which means we um, sell cars to consumers. Uh, we sell great cars at great prices. We also buy cars directly from consumers, sight unseen. And we also help consumers uh, finance their vehicles. So we work with over 30 banks to get you the best rates. So you can be in your comfort of your home, use your uh, mobile device or your desktop, and find the car you want to buy, uh, do an appraisal of the car you want to sell. And, um, you know, if you need financing, we'll help you there. You can do it all online. And... You know, it's all in a kind of hassle-free, haggle-free environment. So we make it really easy. In fact, we hope you're going to enjoy buying a car, uh, you know, from us. Your Crunchbase profile, I chuckled when I read it, said something along the lines of kicking used car salesmen to the curb one day at a time. You're proud of that, aren't you? Um, yes, I, I think <laughs> a lot of people compare to... Compare, um, I, I'm wondering who wrote that, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't my exact sentence, but, um, <laughs> you know, when you compare, uh, car dealers, often people compare going to a car dealership to getting a root canal. Um, <laughs> and you know, just, um, you know, so I, and, and it's always puzzled me because people love cars. They just hate buying them. Yeah, no, nobody enjoys that. And just to be clear on the revenue stuff, you said combined nine hundred million in twenty fifteen. Is that the total transaction volume of the cars you sold, or is that the revenue you're getting? Vroom is actually getting. That is the exact revenue that we're getting. So we get, uh, we buy cars, and we bring them into our kind of used car factories. We recondition them, and then we sell them to consumers. So no difference from. Amazon or from CarMax uh, for that matter in the way we account for revenues. 
I can't imagine the logistics associated with this, but out of curiosity, do you have the number? What was total transaction volume of summing up all the cars you sold last year? Um, you know, it's a big number. And in December alone, we sold um, uh, close to 5,000 vehicles. Um, so, but, but bear in mind that the average car that we sell, we sell, you know, a lot of low mileage, nice, nice vehicles. So, pickup trucks, SUVs, you know, luxury cars. So the average uh, price point is nearly $30,000. Okay, great. So that gives folks a sense of volume. $30,000 times 5,000. What does that mean? Is that 15, is that 15 million or 15 to 150 million, something like that in transaction volume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In December alone. Very good. So, so help us understand you just raised, you've done some interesting things from a funding perspective. You know, it, it looks like you've got some experience raising directly from folks like T. Rowe Price, which which most people, when they think about kind of raising capital, probably don't think of first. Um, it looks like you've also done a fundraising to help with an acquisition. Why don't we start there? I think you, what did you raise? I think it was in December, well, actually just a month ago for the acquisition of Texas Direct Auto. How'd that deal work? Yeah, so we, um, we've kind of always admired Texas Direct. Um, these are two fantastic entrepreneurs who built a, a business in, in Houston and, and sold nationally um, cars online. Um, they built a particular expertise in software and processes to recondition cars. So they've developed a whole RFID and software system to allow uh, cars to be reconditioned. So just imagine this used car factory. We buy cars across the country, all the different makes and models. A car comes in, there's all these different things the car needs to be done. It needs to be inspected rigorously, but then, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you need to uh, get rid of curb rash, you need to get rid of dents, you need to paint bumpers, oil check, brakes, um, that kind of stuff interiorly and, and externally. And, and there's all these different um, uh, specialized technicians and mechanics that work in all these different parts. So you want to be able to bring in all these cars and then be able to recondition them really, really quickly. The challenge for us is we want to do this at a really high level. So our cars are in just a fantastic condition. We tend to buy cars that are low mileage. We tend to buy cars that are in good condition. We don't sell cars that have been in accidents. Okay. Um, so, we, so we start with good raw material. But the challenge was, you know, creating this kind of um, a used car factory. Now, so we've been doing at Rome, we've been doing, you know, a good job there. But Text Direct has kind of taken it to the next level. So we got to meet them. We really like them. Both companies have a lot of um, predominantly tech companies with car acumen. And so we felt like it was a good fit and we can build something really big together. And what did you acquire them for? Well, we, we're not giving out uh, the, the number, but it's a combination of cash and equity. In conjunction with us, we raised um, you know, an additional $95 million uh, uh, from, from, from investors. Okay. And... What I want to do is take a step back for a second. People, the, your story is so successful. I want to make sure the top tribe listening can can relate because it's, it seems like it's just so far out there. People are going to tune out and go, I can never do that. You founded the business, though, just three years ago. Is that right? In August 2013? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Rome is still a toddler, yes. <laughs> okay. August 2013. How many employees as of January 2016? Uh, combined business, about 500 employees. Okay. How did you go from nothing to almost a billion dollars in revenue in, in three years? I mean, why don't we actually start? How do you make money off every car you sell? 
Okay, so there's a few different things there. I think, you know, to be successful in what we're trying to do, because, you know, there's tens of thousands of theaters and there's people coming in Craigslist. We needed to figure out how to uh, buy cars successfully sight unseen from consumers. Uh-huh. Uh, we need to figure out how to recondition them to a really high level, because otherwise you'll send the car back. And we need to do that cost effectively. Um, and we need to figure out how to market them so you'd hear about us and want to buy cars. Um, and the, the magic here is really trying to mix a much better customer experience, so a no-hassle, no-haggle environment, uh, delivery of the car to your home, etc. To be able to suspect that we can, we can provide you a lot of value. We're selling cars at, at just great prices. We sell cars to low market prices because we want to turn them quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do, doing that is, you know, you need to have really, really strong people and understand cars and understand operations, and you need to build um, uh, software both to support the, the, the back-end operations and support the kind of consumer interactions. So a lot of this is still a work in progress, and we're feeling we're still kind of a young company. Mm-hmm. Um, part of our success has been, has been our ability to acquire Texas Direct, and, you know, that has given us a lot of hasp and a lot of, you know, capability. So, it's you know, it's a bit unfair because we, we are two and a half years old, but we acquired a company that's been around since 2003. So what percentage, Alon, sorry to cut you off, what percentage of the $900 million last year in revenue was from Texas Direct, just to get a sense of split? They, they were larger than us. We're not breaking that down, but they were larger than us. Okay, got it. Okay, so, so you essentially part of the reason you raised this capital, you essentially gave up equity to raise capital to then finance this transaction. And that's one of the ways you've really gotten growth. Yeah. Okay. Makes good sense. And help again, there, there's a, there's a history obviously here. You didn't just, this isn't your first rodeo. Let me just real quick, get some context. How old are you today? Uh, I'm 46. Hey, come on. You got to say that with confidence. That's a young 46 years old, right? You're, <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> you started off, you started off kind of in a firm, I think in, um, in, is it Israel or overseas with web startups? Yeah. I mean, I was an early stage in post McKinsey. I was an early stage investor in software companies, both on the East coast and in Israel. So you got involved with Wix. Did you put your, your, yeah. your own money into Wix or did you actually code it with, with your co-founders? No, I wanted to, I actually wanted to seed Wix as, a, as a, an investor and we're about to do a round that, um, that our kind of firm kind of disbanded and I, I left and Bessemer wanted to invest in Wix. This is a really early stage. This is about, there was just a handful of people working on an initial product concept and um, I got involved and we created this co-CEO structure and we started from there. And uh, did Wix, I forget, has, has Wix sold or did it go public? Wix went public in November 13th. Was so, it successful, uh, you think? Yeah, it's worth, it's worth about a billion dollars right now on NASDAQ. Um, it was, uh, you know, we, we, the business went public about seven years about after being founded. So when it's growing nicely, it's had, you know, I think seven quarters as a public company. I left the board before the company went public. So um, I just read, read about the company just like everybody else. And uh, the company's doing really well. It's got a very successful subscription business um, that allow consumers to create websites, but a lot is also kind of the business logic around it. You know, of course, you can read about that in there in which is um, uh, public announcements. So, Lon, part of the part of what I want people to understand is people think about Elon Musk, they think about people like you, they go, how do they have all the success all of a sudden? 
And it's actually a lot like almost the Fibonacci sequence, you know, one, one, two, three, five, eight, et cetera. You create little wins and they build and build and build. So Wix, it sounds like after McKinsey, Wix was kind of like your, your first win. Is that accurate? Yeah, I was also an, inv- an early investor in a company called CyberArk that's a very successful security company that went public. Okay. Um, so look, I, I agree with you. I think there is a Fibonacci effect. I think there is a patent recognition. Um, doing a startup is scary and very, um, very complex. You need to think on your feet. You need to be able to make a lot of decisions. Uh, the data that exists is always partial. Um, and you need to be able to be surrounded by really strong people that you trust and, and can trust your instance. Um, hopefully, you also have the kind of investors who can be helpful. Um, and, you know, and, and then you're off to the races. Specifically in Rome, um, I partnered also with Ellie Workman, who's our chairman. Mm-hmm. And Ellie's been a three-time NASDAQ CEO, and he's, he's also... Um, you know, heavily involved in the company. And I think we looked at Vroom always as this kind of startup on steroids. There's just a huge market opportunity. Um, there's a highly fragmented market that's broken. Um, but in order to be successful, you know, this needs to be a really big company because we're doing all these things that uh, consumers do and, and dealers don't do. So, you know, we deliver a car to you. We'll pick up the car from you will communicate to you in a very different way. So most dealers are, are small, cash-rich businesses that are local because of the franchise law. So they sell 100, 200, 300 cars. Yep. You, know, you know, we're selling more than that, but way more than that. In order to be successful, you know, we need to be kind of a high-volume business. No different than Amazon, but also players like Costco. In order to create true value, you need to be very, very um, efficient, very productive. Economies of scale help with that economies of scale and just the ability to manage the flow of cars and manage customers and, you know, uh, be able to kind of, you know, buy and sell. Mm-hmm. It makes good sense. One question, Alan, when I speak with folks that listen and they always ask me about how folks, uh, what happens to equity, especially founders equity after a lot of rounds of funding. Can you give us some context as of today, you're through your series C, how much personally are you still vested inside of Vroom? What, you know, is it more or less than say 10% of the business that you own? Well, I, I you know, I actually don't remember my exact uh, percentage hold, holding and I tend to look at it as more as um, kind of what is, what is the size of the pie um, that we're going after? So, you know, there's there's always ways to hold more more equity, and that is not give out capital to other investors. Mm-hmm. Um, if you believe in a big outcome and you can build a big business, um, then you care much more about getting the right investors around the table and making sure the business is capitalized. You are going to make mistakes. Not everything's going to be perfect. And hopefully you can build a business that's interesting enough to, in our eyes, to go public one day down the road. Yep. Um, in order to do that, you, you can't overly calculate your 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 um, equity or your employees. You need to rely on your board to make sure that you've got the right board that has a sense of fairness. Um, but I tend to worry less about that. In the case of Vroom, Ellie and I also invested our own money in the company. So How um, much did you put you know, in? We, we, you know, we put in a significant amount. So, um, you know, we're also investors in the company. Would you say more, um, more or less, more or less on than ten million of your own bucks? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get into that. 
We did a friends and family round when Ali and I charged us $12 million and we were part of that investment. Okay, you did a friend and family at the beginning of $12 million and you were part of that? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I asked because people, I mean, people ask this, right? This, they get stuck on things like this when they're first starting. How much of their own capital should they put in? You're a little different because you've had a bunch of successes already. So I wanted to try and get it in relative terms of your net worth. But I understand what you're saying. To some degree, obviously, you're in the business. Um, I, I'm, a bi- I'm a big fan of concentrated bets. Yep. Um, and a big fan on, on relying on, on myself and putting my money where my mouth is. Um, but of course, you need to have capital to do that. And it is scary. So hopefully you know what you're doing. The, the risk is that, you know, that money evaporates and becomes zero. There's always a risk for that. Yep. yep. Um, you know, that's part of the fun. Well, Alon, on that message, before we wrap up and get into my favorite part of the show, if people want to connect with you personally online and kind of follow your story and Vroom's story, where can they do that? Well, um, <laughs> I get probably 50 or 100 vendor emails a day. Um, so the best thing is just to try to reach me through LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I answer any relevant uh, communications there. Okay, Top Tribe, do not forget your chance to win 100 bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703-431-2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter. 703-431-2709. Alana, I have a a quick question for you. I reached out to you cold. I was curious. And for some reason, you you replied. Why did you reply and agree to come on the show? Because it was interesting. You sent an interesting email. Um, and you know, I looked at the link and it looked real and you know, uh, I like that. So huh, I, okay. I respond to a lot of people who, who write to me directly and you know, I like it. Um, I just, you know, I get bombarded with, with messages all day long. Um, you know, uh, people read about the funding announcements and, um, you know, and follow up. But when somebody sends a message that's just clear and to the point, um, you know, um, you know, why not? Well, and Alon, let's be honest. Message. It's way more fun talking to me than it is to some Wall Street guys, right? Of course, of course, Nathan. <laughs> All right, let's get into my favorite part of the show, Alon. You know what's next? Um, I think I can guess. Yeah, is, yeah they're Q&A. You got it. It's time for the famous five. Number one, Alon, what is your favorite business book? Favorite business book, you know. Um, Pick one. God. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I don't ha- have the, you know, the books that probably influenced me more so was, was value investing and Graham and Dodd because that's the way they looked at business, which made sense and around kind of how to think of business and franchises and business. What was that va- value investing? Isn't it is the title? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, um, Graham and Dodd are, are two famous, uh, investors and in, from probably 60, 70 years ago and they wrote, um, a really interesting approach to how to invest in stocks, but how to think of stocks as companies. Very cool. Number two, Alan, what uh, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? I wouldn't say I'm, I'm following, uh, you know, a CEO. I would say that the kind of companies and, and leaders that I kind of try and think, you know, about what they're doing and how they're thinking, or probably, you know, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, um, Elon Musk at Tesla and, and SpaceX, and also the Google guys. And Google is, a, of course, a completely fascinating company, except they say very little. So, um, yep. 
You know, I think uh, all, all three leaders and kind of founders there are kind of um, just fascinating the way they think and how ambitious they are and how they think to take their, you know, businesses forward. And every one of those companies could have been in the, you know, in the, in the garbage dump, dump multiple times and persevered. So, you know, um, you know, the fact of the matter is they're not Yahoo, they're not eBay, um, you know, they're not uh, com. So, you know, and they, you know, so that's just, just fascinating. I think those, those are, unique uh, place. And of course, of course there's uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, which is in the same, in the same kind of top group. But these are, I, I think about it as nearly as they are kind of not mere models. These are just unique situations and unique personalities that have taken things so far. I mean, every one of them could have been a billionaire and sold their company and uh, sat on the beach drinking, drinking cocktails. Right? <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> All right. No, yeah. Number number three, Alon, what is your favorite online tool if you have one? Favorite online tool? Yep. Uh, um, you know, tough questions. Uh, you, know, I, uh, um, you know, I just, I, I listen to a lot of music. I tried to listen to music an hour or two a day, so I, I probably listen to, you know, I, I cycle through Apple Music and Spotify and Pandora. That's you know, an example of a tool that works. Okay, number f- uh, or number four. What's your situation, Alan? Are you are you single, married? Do you have kids? I'm happily married with three children. Okay, wow. So, yes or no? Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? Every twice a week, I probably get eight hours. Okay. I'd like to get eight hours. I'm pretty more like six. Very good. Last question. Take us back to your twenty year old self. What do you wish that guy knew? Hmm. Um, so many things. It's funny, I read your questions before and now I, I forgot. Now you're blanking. <laughs> um, I think, um, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, re- you know, be more daring earlier on. So kind of, I felt like I needed to know more and it took me time to get into the entrepreneurial game, um, which has its pluses, but you know, I, I think, um, kind of I've always a big believer in gravitating to what you enjoy doing you know when people ask me for career advice go do what you enjoy some people enjoy being in big companies some people enjoy starting companies or just developing them um, so kind of find find your sweet spot of what you like well guys there you have it Alan Block he started off he was co-CEO of Wix it's now public over a billion dollar market cap he was CEO of my supermarket has been in venture capital, is now building the wildly successful Vroom. He's raised so, so much money, made a huge acquisition just recently and did over almost a billion dollars in revenue in 2015. Alon, thank you, my man, for taking us to the top. Sure. Thanks, you, Nathan. You bet. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. Alan is a true rock star on his way to becoming a billionaire. If you enjoyed his episode today, go back and listen to yesterday's episode with Joseph Michael. He made $500,000 teaching a unique tool. And I asked him, why not just acquire the tool? 